G'day you mob, how's it going? Welcome to this episode of Pete's Two Cents. I'm going to open up a drink here. I've got a little, a little uh, caffeinated beverage that I'm going to consume during the episode. But yeah, I thought I would get on here and do a Pete's Two Cents. It's been a few weeks. We've been smashing out quite a few expression episodes over the last few months. So, I hope you've been enjoying those. And I've been... Yeah, keeping that pattern going, keeping that structure going with the episodes. I hope you're enjoying that last section in particular where I include a a snippet from a TV show or a film or something that you can work on your listening comprehension with. So, you know, this is where I play like a 10 to 20 second clip and you try and listen and understand what's being said and then write down um, the phrases and yeah, I'm hoping that it, it, it exposes you to a whole bunch of different types of TV shows and films and everything. Because that's one of those big questions that I always get from you guys. What TV shows do you recommend? What movies do you recommend? What should I use to learn Australian English? So, yeah, that was the impetus for putting those on the podcast into the expression episodes and hopefully allowing you to sort of come across different TV shows and movies and content and everything that you can hopefully look up and find for free and um, well or purchase you know if you can if you can do that and find it locally or on Amazon or something you can purchase it and use it to level up your English but yeah I, I definitely recommend trying to find a bunch of these TV shows which should be available through iview. I think we've talked about this before, but if you search iView, so I is in the letter I and view, V-I-E-W, search iView Australia, whatever it is on Google, and you should find the website and you can sign up for it for free. So, this is run by the ABC. It's effectively Australia's free version of Netflix and you can sign up for a free account. I think you just have to give them your name and email. And you can just access all the content in there, right? Because it's government funded, it's free, it's it's content that I think the ABC publishes online as well as on the TV channel that they'll be broadcasting. Um, but yeah, it's all free. So, it's a great place to start if you're looking for TV shows, films, you know, it's got even kids shows. So, like if you've got children... And you want to show them Australian TV shows in English. Bluey's on there. I'm sure there are a whole bunch of other ones, but we definitely uses, used it um, for Bluey in the past. But yeah, good place to, to start. iView. And I'm not sure. I think it might be iView.net.au or .com.au. Just do a search for iView and it should come up. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if you'll have any trouble if you're overseas or not. If you if you are, just use a VPN or something and, you know, <laughs> change your IP address to, to Australia and it should be fine. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's that's something that I've been thinking about. Um, what else? The Goss episodes, we haven't been doing many of them recently just because we moved house and I'm still sort of yet to set up a proper space to do the Goss episodes with my dad. Uh, it should be okay now. My uh, office where I'm currently sitting is sort of decked out and um, spacious now. So, I probably just need to harass my dad at some point to come over uh, and start recording them again. Because, yeah, I had a few of you guys sending me messages being like, where are these old uh, Goss videos or shows or episodes? Where Where have they gone? Are you going to be producing more of them in the future? We miss hearing from you and your dad, probably mostly your dad. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I'm thinking about getting that sorted out soon, guys. Um, thanks for the, the push. 
YouTube. I haven't published anything on YouTube in a while, guys. I sort of took a step back because it was just a very... Uh, uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to sort of manage that as well as the podcast and the courses and everything behind the scenes. And so, yeah, unfortunately, YouTube kind of sat on the uh, back burner for a little while, but I'm hoping to bring that back this year and start doing more episodes again. I just have to work out what you guys sort of enjoy and, and what's going to get the most the most views and be the most useful, you know, on on YouTube. So, yeah, I will get back into it eventually. And again, that was sort of tied to as well uh, to the studio not being set up, but it should be okay um, now. I, I do have a space to, to film in. Um, what else can we chat about before we get into some of these questions? It's my daughter's second birthday this weekend. So, how crazy is that? She's already, uh, she's turning two. Like, it's just nuts. It feels it feels really bizarre, surreal that she is already two, right? We don't have babies anymore. We have two toddlers. Well, a toddler and a, a young boy. Noah's turning four this year. So, time flies, guys. Absolutely flies. But it's been really funny. My wife is really into the whole birthday party thing for kids. She's always coming up with themes and ideas for, you know, what the party should revolve around, what it should be themed as. And I think, yeah, so my daughter's party this weekend is going to be dinosaurs and then my son's will be pirates this year. But she ends up spending a mint, right? She spends loads of money on on like cakes and cupcakes and decorations and, um, you know, all sorts of other objects and things to really get the theme down. So, there's, yeah, this weekend there's dinosaurs everywhere. But we have to do a massive clean of the house because we've got people coming over. So, I've been in the yard recently sort of battling with the grass. (laughs) We've got buffalo grass and that stuff is a pain in the butt. It grows so voraciously. It is, yeah, it's just brutal. It grows so, 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 so fast. And we have an electric lawnmower, right? So, this thing is like 36 volts or something. We've got a battery for it, but... Electric lawnmowers, although they're good and they don't make as much sound and they're probably, you know, uh, more environmentally friendly, they definitely can't handle long grass very well. You know, like a a petrol lawnmower will pretty much just blast through whatever you give it. The electric one, I have to kind of go through with a a whippersnipper. So, my dad sends me a whippersnipper. I think Americans would call these slashes. The thing with a spinning head on it that has plastic wire that comes out and um, chops down grass. And so, I have to use that first to sort of chop everything down and then go over it with the electric lawnmower. And the the only annoying thing about electric is that the batteries tend to run out pretty quickly. So, you know, you've got about 10 to 15 minutes worth of, of battery time to just have at it. And if you don't have multiple batteries, which we don't for the uh, lawnmower, you have to keep sort of stopping, recharging, and then going back outside and um, continuing again. So, we are currently in one of those uh, iterations at the moment where the battery is currently recharging. And uh, I'm waiting to hopefully get back into it this afternoon before the kids get back from daycare because that's where they they currently are. They they are living it up at daycare. And it's going to be interesting, I think, probably next year. I'm not sure if it's like two and a half or when they turn three. Probably when they turn three is when Joey, my daughter, will move up to the next room and she'll be in the same room finally as Noah. So, Noah's in the sort of... Uh, what is he, pre-kinder? I think kinder's next year when he's four. <clears throat> and so, 
they sort of have this shared outdoor room, the, the pre-kinder and the kinder kids. They've got two different classrooms, but they have a shared outdoor space. So, when Joey turns three next year, they'll both be in the same area for one year and they know he's going to be at school, which is just insane, right? Like, he was born, it feels like, just the other day, but he's going to be at school in a little less than, well, I guess, yeah, one and a half years, two, a bit less than two years. So, yeah, far out. Time flies. Anyway, let's get into some of these questions and I'm going to have a sip of my drink first. Okay. Oh, I should mention before we do the questions, I launched the course, guys. You probably saw it recently. I launched that new course, the Aussie Accents 30-Day Challenge, and we had loads of sign-ups. So, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who signed up for that, and I can't wait to chat with you guys as you go through the course and uh, hopefully help you level up your listening comprehension for all the different Australian accents that are inside there. So, inside this course, it's a 30-day course where students go through a different lesson every single day and every day, it's a conversation with me and a different Australian or Australians. So, I think you get access to 34 different Australians and their accents inside of this course. And so, I definitely think it's going to be a good way to supercharge your listening comprehension skills if you're having trouble with the Australian accent. You know, there's doctors, professors, bogans, ocker Aussies, you know, rural living Aussies, people who've worked in the rural areas and there's people who live in cities. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be effective at allowing students to master their listening comprehension of the Australian accent, which was one of these huge things you guys were always telling me. This is why I listen to the podcast. I have trouble with the Australian accent or accents. So, yeah, I really appreciate all you guys who signed up and I can't wait to see how you go inside. So, let's get into some of these questions, guys. Uh, Okay. Do Australians say cookies or biscuits? This is from Mathy. Okay, so, do Australians say cookies or biscuits? I think we'd say both, but we kind of see them as different things. So, when someone says cookie to me, I imagine like a chalk chip cookie. So, it's kind of like that American stereotype cookie or what, what we could also call a biscuit. But a cookie is that it's a circular, usually kind of thicker biscuit that has stuff in it like chocolate. Or, you know, other bits and pieces. But that, if yeah, if you say cookie to the average Australian, I think that's the kind of image that would come straight to mind for them. It would be like a choc chip cookie or a choc chip biscuit. Whereas biscuit in Australian English, we use that as the kind of generic term for any of these sorts of... Oh, how would you describe it without using the word biscuit? Um, uh, treats that are baked, made from flour and usually, you know, nuts and other stuff, right? Chocolate chips and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't matter the the shape or the size either. So, you know, you could say that an Oreo is a a biscuit or a bicky if you want to use Australian slang, right? Even though it's... it's, I I don't know if they'd call it a cookie in the US, but it has like two bits of biscuits and then in in the middle there's a filling and the biscuits are sort of squashed on top of the filling. Um, We've got Anzac biscuits, which are flour, oats... And then I think like golden syrup. I think that's the main, they're the main ingredients inside Anzac biscuits. They're kind of like muesli bars, but they've been uh, baked like a biscuit, obviously. So, yeah. But then you could have pizza shapes, right? And they're, I, I'd, they're kind of treading the line between biscuit and chip. But I think they're still kind of like baked 
flat treats, but they're in all sorts of different shapes depending on the brand or the brand, the, the flavor uh, that you get. If you get like uh, the pizza flavor, it's a certain shape. If you get the chicken flavor, it's a hexagon or whatever it is, you know, so they, they have all these different shapes. But again, they're all bickies, really. They're all bickies or biscuits. So, yeah, we use both in Australia. Typically, you're going to hear bic- biscuits or bic- bickies, um, but cookie, yeah, you will hear it. But I, it sounds weird if you were to say choc chip biscuit. I think you would usually say choc chip cookie and the brands will be like that too. Okay, what's the next one we've got here? So, let me just scroll through. How do I, I've lost the bottom of the image so I can't see. Your top five difficult words to pronounce in English. Oh, man. It's one of those things. I don't think... There aren't really many words that are difficult to pronounce for native speakers, right? I mean, some of them are, but it's sort of also partly their spelling and the fact that they're probably not commonly used. So, when you try and remember the pronunciation of these words, they become difficult. I think I was having trouble the other day with anesthetist. And it's kind of hard because you've got this anesthetist, like in a in a row, right? It's a weird word, anesthetist. Anesthetist. And because you've got so many consonants in there, I think quite often you'll hear people say anesthetist. Yeah, they'll miss out one of the consonants. But because it's such an uncommon word, I think a lot of people have trouble with that one. But then you'll you'll hear people having trouble with the word Worcestershire, right? For Worcestershire sauce. And in and of itself, it's not a difficult word to say. Worcestershire, right? Worcestershire, Worcestershire. The thing that's difficult is the spelling. And so, if you're basing your pronunciation of that word off the spelling, yes, it would be a total nightmare. But I, I wouldn't even be able to spell that word off the top of my head. Like, I have to sort of think, is it Worcestershire or Worcestershire? Yeah, I, I can't even, I can't even see the spelling in, this, in, in, my, in my mind. I just know that it's an easy word to say, Worcestershire, right? Worcestershire. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think other difficult words for me to say. Hmm, as a native English speaker. There'd be loads. I'm sure there are all sorts that I, you know, stumble over from time to time, but I probably, I just don't keep like a mental note of them. So, it's hard when you say, can you think of any off the top of your head? So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know all of the sort of standard ones that non-native speakers find uh, difficult, you know, things like squirrel, whereas, you know, for me, that's easy. Squirrel, 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 (laughs) but, um... Yeah, sorry. So, I can only really come up with one here. Let's see. If I do a quick Google search, um, let's see what Google says. Most difficult to pronounce English words. Let's see if these are difficult for me. Um, Is there a list on here? 12 hardest words. Okay. Oh, anemone. Yeah, that's one. Anemone is a pretty difficult one. So, that's like a type of Nideria or Nideria. A, similar to a jellyfish, that the anemones live on the 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 sea floor, right? They connect themselves to rocks or other things so that they stay on the on the floor. But the reason this one is difficult is because you'll hear people thinking it's a anemone or yeah, I think I used to say that too. Anemone, 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 but it's anemone, anemone. Uh, what else have they got here? Mischievous. 
Yeah, I used to always say this as mischievous, but there is no V-yus. There's mischievous, so you could say like a mischievous, but there is no E-yus at the end of the word, right? The spelling is M-I-S-C-H-I-E-V-O-U-S. It's not V-I-O-U-S, right? So, it's not like, um, I'm trying to think what's a word that ends in V-yus, envious, envious mischievous, but you hear people doing that all the time who are native speakers. They will say mischievous, mischievous, mischievous. Colonel, this is another one that's on this list, but I don't think it's that hard. Colonel, the spelling again kind of makes it look weird like colonel, but it's, yeah, I, I, I don't think most people would have trouble saying this in English. Colonel, colonel, colonel. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty, pretty easy. Epitome. This is one that's hard. Like, I remember seeing this when someone sent this to me in a message, I don't know, years ago and thinking it was said as epitome. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? What is epitome? Like, he was like, oh, man, it's the epitome of something. And I thought, is this like some sort of a type of book or something? Like a tome, an epitome. And then he was like, it's epitome, you idiot. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. It's one of those weird situations where I know the sound of the word. If you say epitome, I'm like, oh, of course, epitome, epitome. But when I see the spelling, because it's a word that maybe I would say, you know, once every few months or something, you know, epitome. But I wouldn't write. When am I ever going to write the word epitome? Maybe in a text message. But really, uh, yeah, it just hasn't come up. So, I remember reading it and being like, what the hell is epitome? And then (laughs) hearing him say, it's epitome, you idiot. (laughs) Oh, we got another good one here. Remuneration. Remuneration. So, I think this is where you give someone money back, right? And again, like I'm showing my uh, ignorance here, remuneration. Is this where you pay someone back? Money paid for work or a service. Yeah, so you get paid for something, you receive remuneration. It looks a bit weird, like as a word, remuneration, and it's probably the mu that's difficult there. You've got R-E-M-U-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. And I think, yeah, some people might say remuneration, That sounds weird, but yeah, it's remuneration. Oh, man. There's loads here. Oh, man. Quinoa. (laughs) That's that's one. (laughs) For the longest time, I used to call this quinoa. (laughs) Quinoa. But I believe it's quinoa. I mean, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I've got it the right way around and I was saying it right all along. But it's this, it's a food that's like a superfood similar to rice. It uh, looks like little seeds, right? It probably is little seeds. But yeah, I think it's pronounced quinoa. 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 But um, yeah, I used to say quinoa. <laughs> oh, man, too funny. Uh, there's a few here like coup, coup, and all these, all these French. I think it'll probably be Italian. Any of these Latin language speakers are going to laugh because I probably think I'm saying ass, which is like um, coup in French and coup. How would you say it in, in Portuguese? Yeah, I can never remember the exact placement of the lips, but yeah, it's that sort of thing. But here it's C-O-U-P, coup, and it means hit, right? So, you might hear the French phrase in English, coup de gras, which is like the, um, oh, how would you explain this? It's like the graceful hit, but it's like, a, it's like when, you know, if you were to, I don't know, kill something by hitting it in the head, the coup de gras is the final blow, right? It's the... Uh, 
how would you how would you define it? Coup de gras. A final blow or shot given to kill a wounded person or animal. There you go. But it's also an action or event that serves as the culmination of a bad or deteriorating situation. Hmm, interesting. So Pete delivered the coup de gras with a penalty two minutes from the final whistle. So I guess that that would be like if a soccer game is playing or a football game and um the last person to score wins the game, that would be the coup de gras. And yeah, it's interesting that it's pronounced coup de gras in English, coup de gras. You could probably say coup de grace, but I think I'm used to hearing coup de gras. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it is coup de grace. That's that sounds weird though. Let's see what it says here. If I click um is it going to play? No, it's not going to play it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Coup de gras. I, I feel like it should be said as coup de gras, but, but coup de gras in, in French. Ignominious is the last one we'll go over here. Yeah, ignominious. Ignominious here. That that it, oh, That's a difficult one. I-G-N-O-M-I-N-I-O-U-S. And, again, these huge words I find incredibly hard to define. Ignominious. Deserving or causing public disgrace or shame, the party risked ignominious defeat. Hmm. It's a very rare word to use. It's the kind of thing you probably read in a uh, sort of literature book of some kind. But yeah, there you go. There are a bunch of the ones that are native speakers, including myself, find difficult to say. So, let's get on to the next question. <clears throat> I want to go around Australia by car. Could you tell me where I must go? Well, mate, you must, you mustn't go anywhere. There's no must from my end. You go wherever you want to go. But um, some places that would be on my bucket list if I was driving around Australia, I think if you were to try and hit all of the different states and territories. So, yeah, I guess to where are you starting? Where are you starting the road trip, mate? Hmm. If you're going through Queensland, I'd probably drive up the coast and see the Great Barrier Reef. And it's such a nice long drive, like you could probably do it, you know, over a few days up to a few weeks, maybe even a few months, depending on how thoroughly you want to cover uh, the area. But definitely the coast and I'd probably go up to see the Daintree Rainforest. You might even go as far north as you can on the Australian continent all the way up Cape Cape York. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. I'm yet to do that, but I've been to... Oh, man, Port Douglas and Cooktown. I can't remember which one of those is further north. I think it might be Cooktown, but I've been all the way up there and it was just beautiful. But yeah, it's it's kind of freaky because there's crocodiles and, you know, deadly stingers and snakes and stuff everywhere. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely be careful when you go north. Uh, if I was going into the Northern Territory, I would love to go to Arnhem Land. That would be absolutely incredible. This is a sort of indigenously owned and run area in northern in the Northern Territory that has loads of wildlife and indigenous history and culture and everything. So, there'd just be so much to do and see there uh, in terms of both those things. I'd love to learn about the indigenous cultures and languages and everything there. That'd be phenomenal. And I'd also love to see all the wildlife there. I think at the moment they have a huge problem with water buffalo and other invasive species. So, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. But they have cool programs where they train up a lot of Indigenous people to be the custodians of the land, um, both, I guess, yeah, figuratively and literally, where they end up working as rangers for the parks and um, having to, you know, take care of all the wildlife there. So, it's... 
it again, it'd be really cool to go on tours with them and, and learn about both the modern history and ancient history of the, the areas and everything and the, the biology and the ecology and everything like that. That'd be really cool. Um, I'd also go to, obviously, Uluru, which is in the Northern Territory as well, but that's sort of down at the southern, the south centre of of uh, the Northern Territory, right on the border, I think, uh, with South Australia, or at least, you know, within a few hours drive, I, th- I think. I've never been there, but I believe that's where it is. And same sort of reasons, you know, completely different environment, incredibly dry, desert, harsh environment, but beautiful, stunning landscape and deep, deep, deep history with the Indigenous cultures there. Uh, it'd be just really, really, really cool to go there, learn about the the history, the wildlife, the languages, the culture, and get to see the stunning, stunning Uluru, this huge orange rock in the middle of effectively nowhere, right? It, it's this very, very bizarre rock formation that has been around for, I think it's hundreds of millions of years old. It might be like 600 million years old or something crazy like that. So, yeah, it's been here for, for effectively ever. Um, I guess going going into Western Australia, if we went there, I'd love to go to the Kimberley. So, that's, I believe that's the north the north of Western Australia, it's above the Pilbara. That's another area that would be pretty cool to visit. So, both of those areas, the Kimberleys, the Kimberley and the the Pilbara would be really cool. The Kimberley is kind of defined by all of these uh, rock features and, um, you know, crevasses. And so, it's very, very, very difficult landscape to kind of cross. And as a result, they have a lot of really cool species that have adapted and evolved in these areas. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of diversity there. So, it's a hot spot. And there are some really cool rodents up there that I would love to sort of be able to find and see if I could because I studied them when I was doing my PhD at um, Melbourne University. I did it in rats. So, there'd be loads of rats that I'd love to see if I travelled across Australia. So, yeah, I'd love to go there. And, and it's it's the same story. Loads of wildlife and loads of history and culture with the, the native population and, and people there that would just be incredible to learn about. So, both those areas. I'd love to go to Perth, you know. So, I'd probably drive from north to south or south to north along the WA coast. That'd be absolutely incredible. And then, yeah, probably dick around a bit in the southeast where it's a bit more uh, mesic. So, it's a little wetter. Um, but it's quite hot and humid, I think, over in Perth. And I've never been to Perth, so that'd be pretty cool. And then crossing the Nullarbor Plain would be absolutely probably monotonous and boring, but really cool for the initial part of it, I think. You know, again, it's this, it's like a three-day drive over thousands of kilometres from Western Australia, from Perth to uh, Adelaide in South Australia. I think it's sort of between those two. It's not necessarily the entire way, but that'd be really cool to cross through. And then, obviously, yeah, going through South Australia, there are some really cool mountain ranges there and the Great Bite, the Australian Bite would be phenomenal to sort of pass by and check out. This is this sheer cliff face that runs along the coast in South Australia. And then, yeah, getting into Victoria, you'd probably go along the Great Ocean Road. So, you'd see things like the Twelve Apostles, Lockhart Gorge, Lawn. And then, uh, what else? You could go through Victoria and see uh, Gippsland. So, that's on the the coast, the southeast part of Victoria. Wilson's Prom is a beautiful place. Wilson's Promontory. This is probably... I think this is about as far south as you can go on the mainland of Australia. Uh, I'd love to travel to Tassie. Um, Tasmania would be phenomenal. 
And then in New South Wales, probably again, there'd, there'd be a lot of stuff to do inland. I'd love to go through the Blue Mountains, but the coast is beautiful as well, although it's much, much, much more heavily populated than uh, other coastlines in Australia. It's pretty much, you know, 20 minutes drive between each of the different towns. <laughs> so, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I've forgotten anything. Canberra's nice. I wouldn't mind staying in Canberra, but there's not really a great deal to do there besides, you know, going to like the art galleries and checking out the lake there and, and doing a bit of hiking around the place. But it's so small that, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not like Western Australia in terms of biological diversity and, and ancient history and everything like that. So, I don't know. Hopefully, that's given you guys some interesting places to look up and think about. But I think Australia is one of these places where we are blessed. You could just drive and you'll find something, right? Wherever you end up going, you know, if you go through the middle of Australia, if you go around the coastline, there's always going to be something somewhere that's that's got history, whether it's more recent history with, um, you know, the, the colonization period, the gold rush and everything after that, or if it's deep history with the indigenous culture and history there, you know, that there's stuff everywhere. So, I think just if it were me personally, I'd probably just get in a car and start driving and work the rest out later. <laughs> to be honest, I'm that kind of a person. I think I'd just wing it. I'd just wing it. Okay. Um, let's see what the next question is. What's the best city to live in in Australia? So, I had this question and I, I found this really difficult to answer because- it depends on so many things, right? Like the best, what what are you what are the criteria you're using to define best, right? Because what I find the best may not be the best for you and the same for anyone else, right? So it's going to depend on why you're wanting to live in that city. Are you doing it for work, for study? Um, you know, are you rich as hell and you don't have to do anything? You're just finding somewhere to live and then just spend your money? <laughs> uh, are you traveling? What are you doing? What's the reason for going to that city? Because that's going to change, right? Like, if I had if I had money to burn, if I had more money than I knew what to do with, I'd probably live closer to Sydney. It's a beautiful part of Australia, the coastline and everything there. The city would be absolutely atrocious and horrible to live in, just if you're moving around a lot, but because I work from home, I could probably make it work and just not think about it too much because, yeah, if you're rich beyond your wildest dreams and you can afford to buy a house, say, in Bondi and you just walk everywhere and you don't have to worry about traveling too much, it, it'd be, you know, a great place to to live, I imagine. I, I haven't lived there before. I've traveled there, but I haven't lived there. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have money to burn. So, yeah, and I do use a car and I do drive around and I have family where I currently live. So, there are all these reasons that I find where I live, you know, agreeable and, and it's, it's what I want. But you may not. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, Melbourne objectively is considered the best city to live in in, in, in Melbourne, in Australia. So, as a starting place, somewhere like Melbourne or Adelaide, or Brisbane, or even Perth, you know, pretty much everywhere that isn't Sydney (laughs) is probably a good start because it's more affordable in these places. Uh, They're sort of more spread out. You can drive and move around a little more easily than somewhere like Sydney. And yeah, they're just the good quality of, of living, especially somewhere like Melbourne. You know, there's just lots to do. There's lots to do. Whether you live in the city or in the suburbs outside of the city, you know, there's places to go camping within an hour's drive. You can go into the city. You can go to 
art museums, all that sort of jazz, restaurants. There's loads of live gigs if you like music. There's lots of educational uh, businesses there, you know, whether it's universities or otherwise. So, there's just heaps to do. But most big cities are going to be like this. Again, it just depends on what you want. Another one might be living somewhere in Queensland, right? So, I I wouldn't be opposed to living probably north of Brisbane. I, I I don't think I would ever live in a big city again, personally, just because I've got small children and I kind of just got over the hustle and bustle the older I got. When I was a student living in the city going to university, I really liked it because I didn't have a car, I'd walk around, had lots of friends all over the place, um, socialize all the time, go out to pubs and bars and go to live gigs. When I was doing that a lot more... Absolutely loved cities, you know, they were phenomenal, it was great. But now that I don't really do those things anymore and my friends have all kind of moved on, live dif- in different places, they're all spread out, it's kind of less appealing. <laughs> as uh, That's how old I'm getting as someone in their 30s. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind living outside of Brisbane and having that kind of climate. I, I do like that. My wife would never allow it. She does not like the warmth at all. She would live in Tasmania or probably Antarctica if she could. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind Brisbane. I think if I went further north, it would start getting a little unpleasant. You know, once you get to about Bundaberg and beyond, it's a kind of climate where you're going to be in shorts and a singlet all year round. But again, you've just got stunning, beautiful nature around you at all times. So, that's the trade-off, you know, the further north you go in Australia, typically the more wildlife and the warmer it is, the more water there is and uh, there's more sun. (laughs) So, yeah, I wouldn't mind living outside of Brisbane, somewhere quiet, but I I would love a quiet beach town, you know, and they're getting sort of fewer and fewer, fewer and far between. But yeah, that would be ideal for me. But again, the other thing for me is that my family is all nearby. At the moment, they're about 10 minutes, 15 minutes drive from me. And I've got my my sister and her family, my parents, and then I've got some old friends from high school and uni and stuff that live around uh, in Geelong nearby. So, that as well, those become the things that are sort of important for me. The older I've gotten, it's being close to my family and friends and also, yeah, the areas that I sort of grew up. So, I love being on the Ballerine Peninsula here. It's... um, it's just a beautiful place to live, very laid back and quiet and chilled out. Uh, okay, so next question. Okay, best way to make friends in Australia, studying in Melbourne and want to make local friends. So, I get this question quite a lot. How do you make friends when you're in Australia? And I think it is one of these questions where there probably is part of it that is difficult because of the cultural divide, de- depending on where you're from. But I think... A big part of it is just it's hard to make friends in a new place, right? If I move to America, I may have a very similar culture and speak the same language as the local people, but it's still going to be hard to just meet new people and make new friends. And so, yeah, my advice is always find an activity, a hobby, um, you know, join a gym, start a martial art or a sport or something, pick up an instrument, do something where there are lots of other people that you have to interact with effectively, right? So, whether you're, you know, going to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class or you're going to the gym or you're joining a knitting class or some kind of club, whatever it is, if you go somewhere and you have to interact with other people and it's 
an interaction that is related to something you're both passionate about, right? So, if you go to jiu-jitsu class and you are rolling with other people, fighting them, getting to know them, hanging out with them, seeing them on a regular basis, you have a shared interest, a shared passion that you're both interested in, passionate about, right? And so, you have something in common that you can talk about. And because you're seeing these people on a regular basis again and again and again, you're much more likely to be able to to forge a sort of relationship, a friendship, create a friendship with these people than if you just walk past someone in the street, right? And say, hey, can I be your friend? (laughs) Because that's a bit weird. So, I would suggest, yeah, finding something that you you want to do that you're already passionate about or interested in and where you have to interact with lots of people. Uh, another one could be st- joining a class, right? So, start learning a language like French or something, going to a French class, meeting other people, learning French. Um, maybe pick up a class at university or something. Even if you're not at uni, you can still sort of pay to go to, say, one class for a semester and learn about that topic quite often. I remember being at uni and there were a few people that would just pay to go to one subject, worth of lectures, uh, you know, so it might be a few hundred bucks or 800 bucks, whatever it was to do the the class, but they would show up each week and you'd get to know them and, um, you know, you'd become friends with them, even though they weren't necessarily enrolled in a course at the university. So, there are lots of different options, but I think that's the key thing. You need to be seeing the same people on a regular basis again and again and again, so kind of be able to get past the initial sort of small talk awkwardness. And then also, if you can find some kind of shared interest or passion, that's a big thing, right? There are loads of people that I know that I think we wouldn't be anywhere near as good of friends as we are if we didn't have that shared passion. So, if we didn't have jujitsu back when I was, you know, really into jujitsu, uh, you know, we probably wouldn't be friends outside of it. But because of jujitsu, we became friends. At the moment, I've got a lot of friends who are plant people because I got into plants, you know, cacti and aeroids. I got into a bunch of these different types of plants. And because they're passionate in these plants, I end up talking to them quite a lot about the plants. You know, what do you do here? What's wrong with this? Have you got this one? Um, and they'll do the same with me. But if I was not interested in plants at all, I probably wouldn't have the same kind of reason to chat to them as often and and develop that friendship. So, yeah, hopefully that's helped. Hopefully that helps you sort of get an idea of how to do it. I think besides that, you know, the obvious stuff, just be open, I think. And it's something that you have to kind of practice. But I think if you're an open person who's willing to share their thoughts and their opinions and be vulnerable with other people, that lends itself to making other friends, right? So, that is a trait that allows you to make other friends more easily because if you can open up and share with someone, it's, I think, subconsciously, it sort of signals to another person that you're talking with that they can do the same. And when you guys both start doing that, you share information, you you share your vulnerabilities with the other person, you talk about things that you wouldn't talk to a complete stranger about. As you start doing that, you develop a friendship too, right? A sort of mutual trust. So, that's another thing. And I try and do that quite a lot, you know, and you'll hear it on the podcast. I try and talk about things that I'm sure many of you would never talk about with people you didn't know, but I'm publishing so that you guys, you know, can get access to this sort of stuff and learn about me and my personal world, my children, my life, everything I get up to so that you can kind of see me as a friend, but also get to know how I behave and what I think and what it's like, you know, inside the mind of an Australian. So, 
Anyway, I've rambled quite a bit today. So, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, Don't forget these episodes don't come with transcripts, unfortunately, because they are so long and I just kind of ramble about a whole bunch of different things. But everything else inside the premium podcast membership, if you are after the transcripts so that you can study and learn at the same time, every other episode that isn't a Pete's Two Cents episode comes with a transcript. So, if you want to access, if you want to get access to the transcripts, sign up to the premium podcast membership at aussieenglish.com.au forward slash podcast and that's where you'll find them. And I mention that because I get asked this all the time. Where do I get the transcripts? How come this episode doesn't have one? The Pete's Two Cents episodes don't have transcripts. So, anyway, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And um, yeah, I wish you guys all the best and I'll hopefully chat to you all soon. Toodaloo.